Hello and welcome to the Best Chosen Language Novel Summary for Episode 2, Between a Rock and an Ock Place. This is the summary of Pride and Prejudice. Going forward, I'm going to break up the summary and the actual podcast into two episodes. So hit the next episode if you want to just dive straight into the podcast and literary analysis goodness because I know most people know Pride and Prejudice, but there's some out there who haven't read it. So for those of you or for anyone who needs a quick refresher, let's get going. The main lady to follow in Pride and Prejudice is Elizabeth Bennett. She and the rest of her family, she has uh, quite a number of sisters. She is one of five girls, live in Longbourn, and her and her family, they're not, they're like the, they're not too rich, not too poor. They're really medium in terms of social status, although they're the principal family of their neighborhood at Longbourn. So nothing really of a note happens until Mr. Bingley comes to the neighborhood. He's the guy who must be in want of a wife in the first line of the novel. And he really throws everything into loop because not only because of his wealth, but because he gets attached to the eldest, most beautiful Miss Bennet, um, and the most mild-tempered Bennet, Jane. Jane's the eldest, and so she also falls for Mr. Bingley, too, but he, with, with the Mr. Bingley deal also comes Darcy. Darcy, um, or Mr. Darcy, if we're going to be polite here, is a really haughty guy. He comes in, immediately fends any everyone by not talking to them at the first ball he attends and really makes a poor impression on our main character, Elizabeth, because he doesn't really put himself out there in terms of just social um, efforts and basic civility. Uh, This is partially due to pride, but also, as we see throughout the book, just due to social awkwardness. And this comes into play when we meet another character by the name of George Wickham. George is very um, socially, uh, I mean, he knows all the social graces. He's very charismatic. He's kind of like, not exactly a ladies' man, but he knows what to say. Uh, There's this point where Austin describes him talking about the weather, and and the line is something like, Oh, she, Elizabeth believed any subject could be rendered great just by the proficiency of the speaker or something to that effect. And it is, and you can just tell Elizabeth has kind of fallen for him. However, she doesn't, nothing really progresses because she doesn't really fall for him. She just kind of has a slight crush. And Mr. Wickham is also really poor because he says that. He knows Mr. Darcy. They have kind of a stare-off at some point early on in the book. And he says that Mr. Darcy actually, uh, or Mr. Darcy's father, rather, promised him this living so he can go and live a modest life in the church. But, oh, no, Mr. Darcy hated him, and he wasn't able to attain this living. And basically there was no legal recourse or anything he could do. So he's stuck in this poor life as a soldier. And 
Elizabeth, like, it, it just fuels her hate campaign uh, against Darcy, which is also strengthened by Mr. Bingley going away to London, and Elizabeth finds out that Mr. Darcy ended up advising Mr. Bingley to do that because he said that Jane, uh, Jane was more interested in Mr. Bingley, or Mr. Bingley's money, rather than just his personality. And, which wasn't true at all. Jane is the most modest person, and Elizabeth thinks that she's this real Pollyanna character um, and the best one of the sisters. So that kills Elizabeth because the, what the best of her sisters is manipulated by Mr. Darcy like he is going down. And this comes into play later on in the book when Mr. Darcy proposes to her. So... Miss, uh, so Mr. Darcy proposes to Elizabeth, takes her completely by surprise, and then um, gets a little bit of a taste of his own medicine because he's just gone on about how Elizabeth was, his family was so low that he couldn't even in, endeavor to think of them, but he's nobly struggled past her background and all her lowly connections because of her and her good qualities. And Elizabeth is not having it. She really gives Darcy a tongue lashing and she criticizes him not just on the basis of his pride and haughtiness and the offenses against Wickham and her sister, but also against his character as a gentleman, which Darcy really takes to heart and promotes a lot of change later on in the book. Also early in the story, um, Mr. Darcy isn't the only uh, suitor for Elizabeth. There's a Mr. Collins, who's also Elizabeth's cousin. This was acceptable back in the Regency era, but definitely would not fly today. Um, so Mr. Collins is so important, even though he, um, not just because he's a cousin, but because he's due to inherit the Longbourn estate when Mr. Bennett, Elizabeth's father, dies. Uh, this is important because whoever inherits the estate can just totally turn the family out willy-nilly because they're the owner of the property now. So they can basically do whatever they want with it. If they wanted to, like, uh, bulldoze the house and build a teeny room for the family and build another grand castle for themselves, they could do it as long as they have the money. So Mr. Collins wanted to make an offer of marriage to Elizabeth just as a gesture of niceness, but also to kind of solidify his image as being this magnanimous person doing uh, good with his fortune and in his situation life, which is a phrase he quotes to no end. Uh, Elizabeth rejects him because she doesn't respect him or his character, and he's really a goober. He thinks very highly of himself, but he's also very obsequious. So he's a very interesting character, but so awkward. And we'll really delve more into this in the episode. But <clears throat> she finds out that her friend, Charlotte Lucas, actually ends up getting married to him. And that's who she, and Charlotte Lucas is who she ends up visiting um, in, at, uh, because they live around Rosings. And that's how she's able to see Mr. Darcy again and, be proposed to. A little bit later in the book, Elizabeth goes to a trip um, 
of Derbyshire and surrounding uh, communities with her aunt and uncle. These are the relations that were in trade uh, that Mr. Darcy had to struggle against. Um, and the, these relations are really sensible people. Uh, these are the people that Elizabeth loves the most. And Mr. Uh, Mrs. Gardner is actually uh, a real motherly figure because Elizabeth's mother is very uh, marriage-minded and often very silly and provides slim to none, uh, none um, in terms of sensible advice. They end up visiting Pemberley just on a lark and to see the beautiful grounds, and Darcy ends up being there. Darcy ends up getting in Elizabeth's good graces by his really sincere attentions to Elizabeth's family, who he, before Elizabeth's critique, would not have noticed, but because he's really trying to show her that he's changed and he can take pains to be with people who aren't on his same level of status, but just he can go through the rudiments of civility and be that kind person. He's able to um, endear himself to her and her family. The gardeners just love Mr. Darcy. And just as they're getting to be that maybe potentially more than friends area, Lydia ends up running away with Mr. Wickham, or Elizabeth hears of Lydia running away with Mr. Wickham, rather, and all hell breaks loose. Elizabeth is devastated, runs back to home, her father goes to London to seek them out, and so, in fact, does Darcy. And Darcy ends up going, um, doing all the legwork, finding Wickham, paying up the money to, to induce Wickham to even marry Lydia, pay, uh, paying for Wickham's debts, paying for Wickham, um, Wickham's new situation in a different part of England, um, because, of course, the militia won't take him back after such ungentlemanly behavior. Um, and just really situating Wickham and Lydia in a, in as good of a place as he can. And this final act of kindness, as well as seeing um, Mr. Darcy convince Mr. Bingley to come back and to marry Jane as uh, a gesture of good faith, really convinces Elizabeth to, in turn, accept Mr. Darcy and convince her that he is a nice guy and he's able to not only hear critiques, but he's not necessarily proud but he thinks highly of himself but also is willing to hear the criti criticism of, of others and really take that to heart which she thought before he was impervious to because of his inflated ego and all ends happily ever after and if you want to hear the happily ever after analysis or perhaps not so happily ever after because we'll be talking about challenging characters in episode two uh, continue listening to the next episode.